the thing that most brands need to be thinking about, integration, integration, integration. It is ultimately what will determine the success of your ecosystem is the connectivity of your tools. And that is something that everybody loves to say like, hey, we got this thing, here it is. Boom, check, we built it. The actual measure of success is how easily does data or content flow through to all of the remaining elements of your ecosystem? How real time are those connections? How easy is it for your associates or your consumers to engage with that content? If I were actually to prioritize two things for anyone starting out in the space, I would say connectivity of integration is one and real-time data architecture is the second. At the end of the day, really doesn't matter what and how you're doing it. There's no way to create a seamless experience if you do not have real-time behavior-based data flowing through your ecosystem. Customers should always be the guiding light for a brand. Who is your customer? What do they need? What do they actually want? Where do they live? How do they behave? These are all absolutely critical pieces of information upon which your entire business should be built on. That's Sarah Kleiman's philosophy, at least. Sarah is the Vice President of Digital Experience at The North Face, where she is constantly working to gather information about, understand, and then create experiences for North Face customers. And on this episode of Up Next in Commerce, Sarah guided me through how she thinks about creating an effective digital experience that every brand should be using to ensure that they are set up for the present and can still build in the future. She talked about integration, enablement, loyalty programs, testing, why companies should be paring down their efforts, and so much more. This was a jam-packed episode, but I hope you love it. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerceinsights. That's sfdc.co slash commerceinsights, one word. Before we dive into this episode, I was hoping you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps spread the word about the show and I would really love it. So please let me know how I'm doing and give me a rating, give me a review. Let us know. All right, enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of Up Next in Commerce. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO at Mission. Today, I'm very excited. We have Sarah Kleinman joining the show, who serves as the VP of Digital Experience at The North Face. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Same. I love all things North Face. So when I saw this interview coming up on my calendar, I was like, yes, finally, someone that I use literally every day. Other than now, I'm in Austin, so I don't use it as often, but still one of my top favorite brands. So super excited. Before we jump into your role at North Face and what you're doing, I want to kind of go through your background a bit because you've worked at some pretty impressive companies. 
Gap, Banana Republic. So I want to hear about your path of like, you know, where were you before getting to your current role? So I actually love, I love talking about my background because it's actually fairly squirrely, like it's fairly Mm non-traditional. And I think that that's one of my biggest differentiators. I actually think it's one of the things that makes this work interesting for me. And so I'll say I started my career as a broadcast producer. Wow. If I knew that, I would have hired you. Come on, Sarah. (laughs) Oh my God. I know in Los Angeles. And, um, I was really just a creator of content and content exists in order to thrill audiences. Um, At the end of the day, you know what your job is. Your job is to get a laugh, get a tear, entertain someone. And I think that that above anything else is um, that's the through line, right? Like my job at the end of the day is to have people walk away inspired, educated, thrilled one way or another about the experience that they're having with a given brand. So, you know, I just always like plug that at the very beginning. And so media, broadcast media slowly became digital media and then digital media became digital strategy. And then after working in an agency for a number of years and really just wanting to go home and have dinner with my husband every now and again, the opportunity came up to work at Gap Inc., And, you know, there were many things that were really appealing about that, you know, having a team, creating longevity, all of that. But also, I think one big thing that was a surprise to me at the time was the love of the P&L. Because I think when you actually have a business and you're able to see the proof points of your investments and experience in the ultimate results in the organization, it's like a magic coming together. And so I've continued digital experience work in some shape or form. And the truth is, work in the digital space has evolved so, 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 so much over the last five years Mm -hmm. that I think so many brands five years ago would have said, oh, we have a digital team. It's like e-com. And that world has just been turned 100% upside down. Yeah, completely agree. So I want to hear, I mean, I saw you have the teams that you're responsible for kind of oversee digital marketing, content, acquisition, loyalty, CRM, data analytics, UX, tech. It sounds like literally everything. So I was just wondering, like, I'm very curious about what does your day-to-day role look like? So first of all, we we are in as many organizations. We are in a matrix organization. So many of these elements are very much shared responsibilities with regions, marketing teams, et cetera. My day-to-day role is really one that is actually somewhat flexible. And I say that because based on where we are in any given season or roadmap, we have different experiences that we're leaning in on really heavily. So for example, when we're relaunching a technology like a CDP, we're really focused on segmentation, integration, work within our MarTech space, work with our marketing partners. Whereas, you know, when we're going to launch a new web platform, we're really focused on content, content management systems and integration with mobile and store technologies. And, you know, that list can kind of go on and on. My team works on technologies that span all the way from designing in 3D and communicating with factories all the way through to um, those 3D images becoming meaningful and useful uh, and hopefully delightful 
for our consumers. Wow. Okay. So tell me a bit more about, you know, the 3D experience. Like what is something you've worked on most recently that you're most excited about in that area? Yeah, I will tell you. So this is the space as I shifted from being committed truly to a regional focused experience related to seasonal calendars, commerce, et cetera, and started looking after the digital ecosystem holistically. The go-to-market technologies were actually some that I was probably least familiar with in my background. Mm-hmm. And um, it is funny how your eyes open when all of a sudden, you know, you pull the string just far enough and you're like, oh, wait, this is actually the thing that I've been looking for for the past 10 years. Wow. Because the truth is the decisions that most brands make so early in their foundational processes, you know, the attributes that are created in your product, your PIM tools, essentially, some people call it a PLM, some people call it a PIM, whatever, the attributes that are decided there truly determine all the way down the line, the predictive capabilities that you can utilize in search, in Mm -hmm. targeting algorithms, in insights that you feed back into your consumer teams. And so, so much of that work I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, it's incredibly foundational and interesting. And I think pulling through consumer experience all the way to the very nexus of the creation of a product it has, has proven for me to be incredibly valuable. I can tell you that some of the projects that we've been working on, you know, you always have to set up a foundation first, right? So first you're really just teaching teams to design in 3D. You're making sure everybody has the right capability software. Then you can start to communicate with your factories in 3D, shorten mm-hmm. those timeframes, really increase the sophistication. And then before you know it, we actually just did a really cool project where we essentially had a 20th anniversary product and we did a trendscape in social, designed in 3D, communicated our, all of our samples in 3D and had the product in front of consumers in four weeks. Wow. So it is just, it's a really, really incredible reduction in time frame when you can utilize those sophisticated technologies. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So when thinking about, you were mentioning like all these go-to-market technologies that you didn't even know existed, like what are some of these that maybe brands should be thinking about right now to tap into? You know, I think most brands have versions of mm-hmm. a PIM or a browseware. It's a, it's a 3D rendering platform. Mm-hmm. I think every brand has platforms, has some scope of a foundation in this space. I think the thing that most brands need to be thinking about, integration, integration, integration. Ultimately, what will determine the success of your ecosystem is the connectivity of your tools. And that is something that everybody loves to say like, hey, we got this thing, here it is. Boom, check, we built it. The actual measure of success is how easily does data or content flow through to all of the remaining elements of your ecosystem? How real time are those connections? How easy is it for your associates or your consumers to engage with that content? Yeah, if I were actually to prioritize two things for anyone starting out in the space, I would say connectivity of integration is one and real time data architecture is the second. At the end of the day, really doesn't matter what and how you're doing it. There's no way to create a seamless experience if you do not have real-time behavior-based data flowing through your ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So those have been two big, big priorities for us. 
Wow, that's great. So when thinking about like the data that's flowing through there, like what are some of the most interesting data points to you that are the most powerful ones that you can really make decisions and kind of, you know, change the org at the drop of a hat if you want to? You know, I always say behavior-based because I, I think in this world, like everybody's overwhelmed, right? Everybody has 8,000. I actually don't. I have zero emails in my inbox because I'm that crazy person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Small flex. But my husband has like, <laughs> I don't even want to know, is a maniac. We're going to air it out here. Come on. Yeah. He has like 14,000 unread emails. And I'm like, okay. Oh um, no, but I think overall, like we are all just being bombarded by information everywhere we go all the time in every single medium. And so when I think about the data that is most important, it's the signal that customers send to us. And so that may be responding, clicking through a social media post. That may be typing a search into our site. That may be going into one of our stores. It could be a huge, I mean, we can play this game all day, but those signals are the best indicators. If you are really, truly looking at time, channel, context. And when I say context, I mean, how does that signal relate to the history of the customer with the brand? Is it in line? Is it an outlier? And when you know that, you can start to really think about what is the best response mechanism for this unique engagement? Mm -hmm. Because again, it is the customer with their actions truly telling you, hey, I'm in a city I've never been in before. And I just went in looking for a rain jacket because you know what? It's raining <laughs> and I need it now. And what would it mean to be able to offer, you know, free expedited shipping to a best customer in that capacity? What would it mean to be able to have a seamless pickup and store experience if a store is in fact nearby? You know, how do you actually take a use case and put it within the context of the history of that consumer and make sure you're truly serving them and not just like bombarding them with the same old, you know. <laughs> yeah. How do you think about engaging with them and giving them useful things? Like what, you know, campaigns or efforts have you put into action where you're like, that one was actually surprisingly successful. Like people love that. You know, and, and by the way, so all these things are super hard to do, right? Yeah. Like I say it as if it's some easy um, flick of a hat, like yeah. sure, anybody can do that. But the truth is it's like a five-year project of foundational architectures and marketing technology integrations and segmentation. And mm -hmm. however, if I were to give advice to any brand and, and I'm happy to talk about some examples that we have, start with the biggest problems first. And so what I mean by that is like one of the best things that we did right off the bat in this space is suppression, 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 suppression. People don't want to be marketed a product that they bought. Yep. People don't want to be marketed a product that they own, Who knew? <laughs> you know, and then you can start to move into more sophisticated spaces. We're a utility based, you know, we're also a style fashion brand, but at heart, really, we are a utility based brand. And so really paying attention to things like weather, weather mm -hmm. is really just so important in terms of the content that you surface to consumers and making better decisions based on a consumer's location and the channel that they're in. And so it's like little things like that, that, you know, we hope in 24, 48 months to be surfacing personalized offers. We are not there, but 
by laying this foundation, we start to have the infrastructure, the algorithms, et cetera, to know that we can access that type of um, communication at some point in time. So when thinking about like the weather and kind of like local indicators, what else do you think brands could be looking at right now to surface more custom ads? Because I always feel like that's such a big missed opportunity. And there's so many things happening in like someone's local town that if you could tap into that and surface opportunities that kind of merge with, you know, local campaigns and festivals, and there's just so many ways to do it, but I don't see enough brands tapping into that unless they're local brands. Like, what do you think a larger brand like North Face or, you know, Gap or anyone else could do to kind of see those indicators and then take advantage of them in a way that the customers would be excited about? I think it all has to start with a certain honest segmentation of your consumer base, meaning what does your customer actually care about? And so let's take a brand like the North Face. The majority of our customers like to go outside. They like to go be in nature. Some people want to climb Everest and then like throw themselves down and on skis. Yep. And some people, most people want to go take a beautiful walk around Central Park mm-hmm. with their kids and like maybe throw a snowball and like, <laughs> yay, they were outside. Yeah, that's me. That's great. There's, you get the same relief. You get the same glorious enjoyment of the outdoors, no matter where you exist on the intensity scale. And so because we've seen that our customers primarily identify on that scale of intensity, some of the best content that we've been able to surface has been around enablement rooted in where they fall on that intensity scale. So I probably don't need to recommend to you a guide on how to ice climb, Mm -hmm. but it would probably be useful for you to know like, hey, what boots keep me warmest for a walk around the city? And I think, again, you're not going to be able to create localized content for every single metro (laughs) in the United States or globally, we're a global brand. But you can find those synonymous areas on whatever scale is most important to your consumer base. And so because we're, again, sort of like activity outdoor led, we have found in that that intensity variant to be a very powerful one when we surface content to audiences. Wow, that's a good persona to kind of start developing of like what category should they even be in to know what content to give them? I'm guessing it's not just products that you're surfacing. I mean, content, among other things, like, are you guys showing experiences? Like, what other things are you trying out right now to kind of keep that customer engaged outside of just, you know, the purchasing of the apparel? So I would say enablement is at the heart of our strategy go forward. And enablement means a huge swath of things. I'll rewind a little. Um, Earlier this year, we launched a new loyalty program. It's called Explore Pass. It is going to be the backbone of everything we do as a brand. You know, we always say it's like your past to the best of the brand, but it's really what we hope will be a past to the outdoors in so many ways. And we believe that our job is to enable customers to get outside. And so, you know, I would say there's absolutely variance in terms of content. Content plays a huge part in enablement, uh, but you can start to imagine. So do things like rentals or, um, you know, free access to gear when you're new to trialing snowboarding. You can imagine things like partnerships and access to ski mountains, national parks, access to groups and activities 
we will use our membership program, our loyalty program as really the vehicle to start to open up those incremental channels. And, you know, again, I don't want to pretend as if I know which of those offerings are going to be most valuable. The the consumer will tell us at the end of the day. So we are actively testing um, and piloting a variety of these offers to understand where is it most valuable to our audiences and where should we really invest to take advantage long term. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise, and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. I was just going to ask, like, how are you going to prioritize which ones to do first in that loyalty program? I mean, how do you go about even testing that if you're thinking about an experience? Yeah. To I mean, maybe, you know, have like, how do you go about testing those things and even gauging if that's the one to go with? Sometimes these things, um, I always think testing is as complicated and as simple as you would like it to be. And at the end mm-hmm. of the day, it's about trial. So, you know, before I'll take something like rental, you know, before a ski season, you choose a market and you say, hey, like, here's, free gear at this one store with these loyalty audiences and you see how many people sign up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the demand is huge and, and overwhelming. And as a percentage to the loyalty base, they're meaningful. You say like, Hey, we might be onto something here. And like, I think that we have to utilize those real world testing opportunities just as much as we do huge, large scale, statistically significant surveying, you know, behavioral analysis, predictive capabilities. It's, it's not really one or the other. You kind of have to balance the quant and the qual when you go forward with an activity. And oftentimes it's about getting like a sense, like you try one. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. Free two-day shipping is something that, guess what? Amazon has figured it out. Everybody knows that. It's not a surprise. Yep. They're kind of killing it because of it. <laughs> They're also like killing people, but you know, there's something there. Mm -hmm. There's an ethos that's, that's chalked up to consumers. Yeah. They've made like a new baseline of like, this is what to expect from every brand. Now all these brands on Amazon can do two day shipping. Why can't you? Why can't you do it? (laughs) And if you sell a premium product, I'd say it's even worse. And so, you know, at the end of the day, like we are always communicating with and surveying our audiences. I don't think brands should be scared to ask customers, Hey, is this worth it? So what we ended up doing was, guess what? We asked our customers, do you care? Is two versus three that much more important to you? And they came back with a resounding yes. And so we said, okay, you guys care about this on a premium product. Then we tested it. We said, hey, does this actually change our conversion enough to warrant the incremental cost that we have to invest in order to do it? And so- Guessing no. You think it's no? I think it'd be no. I think everyone's going to say yes when you ask them. And then when it, like, when it really gets down to it, it's like, no. So our results were different. 
we actually saw enough of a lift in conversion to substantiate the incremental cost to ship to consumers. I will say because of our distribution network, a huge percentage of the country was already accessible to us within that two-day window. Okay, so you could do it. We were really only expediting a really small percentage of that. So it's a little bit of- Maybe those people already got two-day from you. Those answers are skewed. They're already like, I'm used to two-day from you. I am a current customer. Of course, I'm going to say yes. It's a party trick. It's literally a checkout party (laughs) trick. But it was important. And so again, the audience members that are going to, that we are going to make sure always, no matter what, whether we do have to expedite or not, we'll receive it. That's a benefit that now we're working on building into our loyalty program. But the rationale is there because we know the customers care about it. We know that they see value and we know it's something that is feasible for us as a brand. Is there anything surprising that has come from testing, you know, different things within the loyalty program that you're building up where you're like, I really thought that was going to work and it didn't or that backfired? I mean, I try to withhold judgment these days and, and I try very hard because the truth is like, I have been proven wrong so many times in my career that I'm like, I don't know what people want. I'm of course exaggerating some, but it is really interesting. I'm trying to think of a recent example that was really meaty or meaningful. One of the benefits that we had really put that again, we're rooted in enablement. And one of the partnerships that I was, I've been really excited about um, had been one with a trail app. I won't name it, but. Okay. I got it. And, you know, we were really excited to get this premium version of this trail app for all of our consumers. And I was so sure the usage was going to be so high because I use it. I use the premium version. I think it's important in my, when I hike, which I do all the time, I thought it was just going to be a home run. Mm-hmm. And guess what? <laughs> it wasn't. And it turns out that people are totally happy with their like, basic features and like they don't need to download a map and like nobody cares about a compass or how far they've walked or any elevation <laughs> a compass nobody, like I don't care yeah, like nobody cares about elevation gain <laughs> and I was like darn <laughs> <laughs> these are not my people <laughs> I just you know and I think that's what's important like we even presume so much about our our consumers around what they care about every brand mm-hmm. I'm sure if you go to bomb bus they're like the stretch and the toe box, the sock is like, and, and then you go talk to the customers and they're like, I no, I don't know what a toe box is. No, I don't yeah. feel room. I know I don't notice that. They're soft. I like them. Yeah, exactly. Like I like your branding. I think that is an important lesson. Like don't assume even within the same space that you understand what your customers care most about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. That's great. So the one thing I want to ask you since, I mean, you have, you know, a great budget to probably try things and experiment and see what's working. I want to kind of hear about any secrets that you're uncovering right now where you're like, oh, I think this is good. I see where the world's headed. We're so far ahead of everyone. And I'm going to keep this to myself. What's going on at the North Face that you're not supposed to share? I'm trying to think of something that's like really a secret. We can talk a million times about like all the results of COVID and everything else. But um, I think this is actually a time that is one of back to basics in a lot of ways. Like I think customers are so sick of all the gimmicks, all the, like people want less stuff. Mm -hmm. People want less stuff that lasts longer, that is more versatile and that they can identify with 
that, you know, they can feel great about purchasing. Mm-hmm. People don't want to fill landfills or feel like they're ruining the universe. And so I think every brand's goal right now needs to be actually a shrinking of their offering, a sophistication about the products they're willing to manufacture Mm -hmm. and a precision about what that value proposition is for consumers. Because, you know, the days, again, I've worked at these brands that have five to 10,000 products a season and you build them partially so you can discount them. Those days are done. Nobody is doing that anymore. Mm -hmm. Quality, sustainability, versatility, longevity. It is about nailing that. I mean, North Face has done that well. I think I've owned the same jacket since probably like high school. And I'm like, it's still there in stores. It's still like a number one seller. I'm pretty sure either my style was fantastic back in high school timeless, or like, yeah, I'm, it's so timeless. I'm timeless. But like, how does a brand start thinking that way? Because I still see a lot of fast fashion right now and brands trying to just like pump things out really, really quickly. And yeah, I definitely see that shift in consumer you know, behavior of wanting to buy things that last and even spending more money than they probably ever would have a couple of years ago. Like how should a brand start thinking about this a little bit differently? I think that you have to, again, like figure out what the relation, what the core relationship is that you're, that you have with your consumer. What, what's that nugget at the heart of everything? So funny. We talked earlier about being flooded with content, just everything. Ah. And I think what it is now It's about clarity of communication to help consumers understand why, what is the value of this given product? Mm -hmm. What makes it, um, you know, meet their objectives, meet their needs. And I think sometimes there's a real simplicity again, like it's so weird. I think we're in a backlash of, again, those back to basics of just like, show me what makes this better than all of the thousand other choices that I have out there. Yeah. Put it in words. I understand. Of course, there is a certain level of sophistication that customers expect because the marketplace has gone there. So we talk about things like 3D. Yes, a customer wants to be able to see the measurements of every aspect of a $500 jacket, right? A customer is going to want to be able to potentially even like spin it in 3D. We can, we can debate that. But a customer wants to be able to see it on different body shapes and sizes. Yes. Like all of those things are true, but at the end of the day, what people really want to know is what is this going to thing going to do for me? And and why is it better or different than the other things? And I think you just have to be able to like release your branding and just be a human with consumers too. Mm-hmm. How have you adjusted messaging at the North Face to try and you know, a tribute for this, because I'm thinking, you know, when you are on mobile, you've got such a small area to really sell like a four or $500 jacket desktop, very different. Like how have you had to kind of shift your language to connect with the consumer today? Yeah, we've, you know, we have done tons of work in this space and, and I will say we have tons of work left to do. This is an ever evolving again with a catalog that is so large with, again, I remember I talked about those PIM tools with product specs that are really complicated. This is a long range project, but we have ultimately done, you know, a content audit and a content analysis and really created like content strategies around shifting the communication with consumers based on the details that are most important to them. So we actually went out and talked to, tested with consumers around not only what are the content areas that are most valuable to them, 
what's the framework that they want to be shown that content in. You know, oftentimes customers don't even want to see language. Nobody wants to read a paragraph. Show me a scale, show me a bar, warm, cold. And I think, you know, we have slowly started to transition our content systems such that we can, A, surface the most important content first, B, present it in the right format and language, and then C, and these are in no particular order, but like really have that branded conversational tone to how we explain a product so that we're not alienating our customers with the sophistication that many of these items have. Yep. Yeah. I always found it funny when, I mean, not too long ago, you would look at a shirt or something and be like, oh yeah, the uh, bust is this and the waist is this. And I'd be like, I don't know how to measure those things. Like, where am I actually supposed to be measuring? Finally, some brands started coming out with a picture of like, here's where your hip should actually be measured. And I was like, oh, good to know. Many years later, I never understood that metric. And it's so simple, but like, there's a lot of education I think that needs to happen when buying clothes online. And just now I see kind of, you know, brands leaning into this more and be like, well, let me just make this simple for you. Either A, here's a person who looks just like you, probably just get her size or B, here's how to measure it in like an easier way without having to think too hard. And I'm hoping one day I can just stand in front of the screen and be like, measure me, tell me what I am. For anyone who can't see, I'm holding my arms out and acting like I'm getting measured virtually. No, I mean, and I wonder, you know, we even like, it must have been at CES like four or five years ago. Everyone was like, that's happening now. Like everybody's going to upload an avatar of themselves. Like that's going to be commerce. Yeah. Virtual reality, try-ons, augmented reality. Totally. And I think if you look at the marketplace, that's actually a great example of where we're ahead of ourselves a little here, you know, like Mm -hmm. oftentimes, and I see this more and more, especially as the world is mobile, especially as everybody is pressed for time and energy, people engage with brands because of great content of some kind or another, right? Like maybe it's a great brand story. Maybe it's great product content. People don't actually want bells and whistles for bells and whistles sake. They want things that add value to their lives. And so it is just important as you sort of like look at your investments. I'll tell you, I think, you know, the North Face right now has spent a few years really, really focused on foundation. I'm sure to the aggravation of many people in the organization who are like, where is the fancy thing on the front? And you mean foundation as in like the tools and like, you know, integrating things together and actually making sure everything's working seamlessly. And the process and like it is and the resources, it's so much more important to create a sustainable ecosystem right now, now more than ever before. You know, I feel like 10 years ago, I was able to like create some like whiz bang thing on the front and be like, look at this cool thing we made. Like it's duct taped together in the back, but like Mm -hmm. the customer doesn't really care. You cannot do that anymore. You know, customers want to be able to text and chat and tweet you about their orders and ask questions about products in real time. And if you do not have a connected ecosystem where you have a very sophisticated customer service team on the other end, pulling all of that through together, if you aren't arming your store associates with all of that robust detail, you know, you'll walk away with a really dissatisfied customer. And oftentimes, you know, in your most flashy, most important launches, that's not where you can be spinning up these like one-off things. Yeah, that makes sense. So then, okay, after you get the foundation built, sounds like you guys are almost there. What are you most excited about, you know, in the next couple of years or like when that's in place? I'm, you know, luckily we've talked about some of them. So I'm super excited about real-time behavior-based journeys and triggers. Super excited about that. I think that's going to truly add value to people's lives. 
the potential of loyalty in our membership ecosystem for me is just, I think it's the future of brands, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think that people want to engage with brands who know them, who know their history, who, you know, and enable experiences that I think about this all the time. Like, you know, when you're actually doing backpacking and stuff, all of your equipment, it gets so dirty and gross. And like cleaning a backpack, like, do you know how to clean a backpack? I Nope. <laughs> Washing machine? Shake it outside or something. But like, of course, that doesn't actually work. I see a world where our membership ecosystem truly solves those like extra irritants in people's lives and truly adds value. And that's how you build long lasting relationships. So mm. exciting about that. That's good. I would also say I'm, I'm excited about the speed that all of innovation uh, enables us, meaning precision around um, product details and color and material, but also all of the predictive capabilities in terms of scale. So mm-hmm. less waste, you know, like we shouldn't need to have outlet infrastructure at some point. At some point we can make just enough for the demand because it's actually based on a, on a predictive pulse of the marketplace. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, being more sustainable as a result. And, and that's something we owe our consumers. It's one of the handshakes that they have made with our brand. We're making good on that is exciting. Yeah, I love that. We had a company, Cornet Digital, on a few weeks back. And it was just so cool hearing how they were thinking about like, it's demand first and supply. That's how the world's shifting. We're not doing it the other way around anymore. I was like, oh, it's changing the game if that's how every brand starts to operate. And slowly but surely, I think that will be the reality. You know, especially in global marketplaces, you see this now with our supply chain circumstances. These are very complex webs that we are all Mm-hmm. navigating. And so I hope the world moving in this direction is the accelerant we need, we need to kind of get there. I think it will, but I'm also a positive penny. So everything has an upside to me. <laughs> Just might take a while to actually come to fruition, but it'll be here someday. For sure. For sure. There's no, no question. Yeah. Well, Sarah, this interview has been great. Thank you so much for coming on here, spending time with me, hanging out. Where can people learn more about you and the North Face? You know, I will say last pitch for sign up for our explore pass it's free to become a member there are so many perks um and really unlock you know whether it's the the best of our products the best of our experiences it is the place to really know us best so i urge everyone to join and have a fantastic day awesome we will link that up thanks sarah all right thank you so much listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.